What's up, what's up everyone? Welcome to another week of the GoLink Show. My name is Ben, the host and founder of GoLink. GoLink is a supportive community of growth junkies and life learners embracing weekly challenges. Each week we find a new way to level up and learn something new. So it could be a cold shower, waking up at 5 a.m., a kind act, taking yourself on a date, journaling, meditating, various fitness activities, and much more. These challenges are inspired by mission-driven brands that align with our values. So if you're crazy like me and you love to level up and you're always looking for ways to evolve and grow and step into your fullest potential, then GoLink is just for you. Join us every week on social media to participate in these weekly challenges. Embrace the challenge with me at GoLink Group. The GoLink Show, this podcast, recounts experiences from life enthusiasts with a unique perspective. So they could be a mother, a teacher, business owner, coach, entrepreneur, somebody with many years of experience, or someone just stepping into their arena. Wherever they are in life's journey, we all have a story to tell. So we delve into the struggles that we come across during our journey. How do we find the will to make it through? What role does failure play in our lives? What tools and lessons have we learned from those difficult experiences? Let's talk about the process and not just the result. We discuss this and much more in the show. Thanks for tuning in. What up, Grow Junkies? Welcome to a dope conversation with my man, John Goodfellow. We catch up, and it's been a while, man, since we've really sat down and talked, and he's gone through a lot. And why I titled this episode, Experiment with Life, or Experiment with Your Life, is because he's done just that. And people might accuse him of changing or being different, but that's what he embraces. He says that he's the best of like being the best of collection of himself, which I love that, right? And it's like so, like an artist going through all their albums and then taking all the best parts of each record and putting together for a best of collection. So if you're trying to figure yourself out, this episode is for you. If you're, tr- if you're just like, oh, what do I do? I'm not sure if this is me or is that me? Like, that's okay. Test it out. Go taste things. Experiment. That's what life's about, man. And that's just what we talk about, all the different faces and lives has, that he's lived to the point where he's at today, from corporate sales jobs to doing sweat lodges and living in a van with his dog, finding the love of, of his life and the journey to get there, the adventures of my man, John Goodfellow. So hope you enjoy this conversation. It's wide ranging and he says some deep stuff. He's evolved as a human. I love the dude. Enjoy. John, my dude. Welcome to the Golink Show, my man. Good to be here, <laughs> dude. We've been we've been homies. Where did where did we first meet? Oh, dude, sports mall. So that's a like gym. Twenty ten. I was think twenty ten. I think it was twenty ten, dude. Wow. Like you had a little baby afro then. <laughs> yeah, it was probably two thousand two thousand ten. Yeah. Yeah, because you came when we were doing music. You came to like one of those very first, like Kilby Court shows. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, well, Nine I remember. Years? I remember you. Um, wow. Because I always saw you at the gym, and like mm-hmm. we we would talk, and then like we were talking about music, and then you told me you made music, mm-hmm. and I was like, no way. <laughs> and and it mm-hmm. wasn't like I was just surprised, you know, pleasantly surprised, and then. You're like, you come out to a show. And then um, then I met Sean, and I was like... Who I rapped with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God is uh, gracious himself. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, dude, it was crazy. 
the mm. energy was cool. The scene was cool. All the people. I I'll never forget that show you did at the Black Pearl. So with, that was so for everyone gains context. The Black Pearl was the name of a college party house. Yeah, dude, that was a good freaking time. Some good energy back then, dude. That was, but it was literally like a house, and I remember we stacked up crates so we could stand on it. Is that? Because there was a stage. Yeah, we were just like ahead above everyone. We just stacked. Yeah. We just stacked two wooden crates so we could perform, dude, and just a bunch of college kids in a room. Yeah, just you guys fun. were behind schedule and threw me on stage for like 15 minutes and I just had to like bust out freestyles with Malev and that was just like yeah that was wild dude that's awesome and we are now we are now in LA technically we're in Hollywood correct Hollywood and we're in you and your wonderful lady and partner who I met and and that's only been such a short amount of time and we'll jump into that yeah but I think Dude, you've been on this road of self-discovery. How would you describe yourself just like growing up? Because I feel I feel like you've gone from because you've definitely grew up like conservative. Doesn't mean you know, it doesn't mean like you were like, were not experimenting with things. Then you went on a Mormon mission. Yeah. And then I feel like you've just been on this constant um evolving path. So is that, I assume, is it intentional? Is it just how your life is going? Like, tell me about your thoughts of just how you evolve as a human. So um, one of the things I've been, like, contemplating mm-hmm. is for probably, like, the last two years is all we ever do is really change. Like, <laughs> all we ever do is change. Mm-hmm. Like, the you that was you five minutes ago doesn't exist anymore. We get the present. And, um, I've lived my life in such a way where I've done so many different Johns. Like I've been John, I've been Jonathan. I've been more of an artist. I've been more of an athlete. I've been like really into a career. I've, um, you know, I, I, I was really like religious and then I, kind of like went down a hedonist kind of thing for a while where I was just more partying and like mm-hmm. kind of like wanted to turn everything on its head just to see, uh-huh. you know, what was what. And then, you know, really around 27, I started to like everything that was like <clears throat> part of me that was for me started kind of calling me back. And, um, you know, it was like, the best of collection. So like (laughs) the spirituality from my mission and like the inner knowing that I had there and like the clairvoyance and the presence and those things started to kind of trickle in. And then like from my childhood, like my interest in nature and animals and like kind of that native culture that like my grandpa, like um, made sure that I was aware of. And then um, I started to call a lot of things in question like i started thinking you know, like okay like sure i'm making money sure i'm like doing this thing but where's it going mm-hmm. what's the point in anything that i'm doing and i started asking mm-hmm. those fundamental questions and then it got really crazy because i realized it was doing a lot of things from a unconscious habitual 
place and it felt like at one point I was living a life that wasn't mine. Hmm. Well, I loved how you said you've lived, you've been a bunch of different Johns or Jonathans. And I think anyone who knows you would definitely confirm that. And I think that could be viewed as a weakness because it's like, oh, John doesn't know what he's doing, right? But I think it's cool. I think it's like, why not? Why not change your mind? Why not evolve and try different things? You know, like that's the purpose of life is to, we were talking earlier, like have fun and play around with that. So have you ever felt, whether it's from yourself or judgment from others, like have you felt that? Because it's like, because you didn't have like one solid direction yeah and uh more internally Mm -hmm. like like what is this adding up to and like Mm -hmm. wanting to write a result you're okay like wanting to ride it to the ground like so on my mission i was riding a bicycle and uh we had just done service and so i didn't have my helmet on i was being a little rebellious whatever and like i don't know if you knew this but i was like pretty big into cycling when i was in high school Mm. And so on my mission, riding a bike around West Texas was fun for me. Yeah. And so everyone knows. So it's like a, a religious service mission that you go to proselyte and hopefully baptize people. White shirts, ties. Mm-hmm. There's a play about it now. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And so, but I'm, I'm out there in some like billabong shorts and a t-shirt because I'm moving this woman from one house to another for service. Mm-hmm. And I'm riding along the curb. And this car came in fast and I didn't have enough time to get up and over the curb. And the bike started to tilt. And it's so stupid because I could have just stepped off the bike and been fine. But I chose to rode it to ride the bike to the ground and like skinned off part of my face the day before my birthday. So I had this black eye and I was missing all this skin. And, um, And that's kind of what it felt like at times where I would be like stuck holding on to like Hmm. this form or this idea that doesn't work anymore because I was so afraid of my ability or my desire to change. And so... Wait, interesting. Let's stop there. So you were afraid of your ability to change. Yeah. Dude, that's fascinating. So you were so comfortable with changing that you actually didn't change. Yeah. Interesting. Like at one point I was trying to be basic (laughs) because I was tired of being extra. (laughs) I was like tired of like, um, I don't know. I just felt like I was a lot Hmm. as a person. And like, I, I felt like, you know, dressing the way I was dressing and like have bringing the energy I bring and like having all the interests that I have. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I'm just going to try wearing a uniform every day and just wear like boots, jeans and a baseball cap and like be a little and and go to sports bars and just kind of do like (laughs) a basic thing for a while and see where that gets me. And, and, and it was like, it was fun to like play that character for Mm -hmm. a little bit, but like, it wasn't me, dude. Eventually like I I had to like come Mm. out, but I did that because I was afraid that people couldn't receive me in my like, in my own comfort okay. or my own like thing. You know? I love this. So you were trying to play characters, not for yourself, but for others. Yeah, totally. Ultimately. Totally. So you weren't trying to find out who you were. You were trying to find out who people liked. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, man, I already love this man. 10 minutes in and we're 
Not even 10 minutes and we're freaking rolling, dude. We're rolling. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you learned from that? Like, obviously, I feel like you have accepted yourself more. So what have you learned from that? So, well, it all came. There was a point where I call it like the fuck it button moment. (laughs) I've referred to it like several Mm -hmm. times, but there was a point where I just like, I didn't see a point in the job I was working. I didn't see a point in the spiritual practice that I was like, not really like I wasn't Mormon. I wasn't not Mormon. I was like, I was just totally like milk toast, dude. Milk toast. Just plant. Just, just like no flavor, no flavor. Just Just salt and pepper. There's nothing. I was just so (laughs) bored and tired and not inspired in my life. And I was just like, what is going on? And, and then these little things started happening. Like I started drinking a lot during that period and I was expecting to feel like a bad person. But what happened was, is my ego starts dissolving when I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, like I wasn't putting myself in conversations. I was just growing out and like talking to people and having a good time. Mm Mm-hmm. And instead, and then ended up talking about like God and spirituality and bars with random people all the time. And like, it's like goodness kept finding me. And the more I tried to like, like expand out and like be bad or like do something (laughs) different, the more like this, my truth just started to like show up. Why do you think that was? I, I just, I think. I needed to, I needed to understand myself. I needed to understand the limits mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at the world and not participating it in it because of beliefs that weren't really mine anymore didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so I went really hard in that direction. And then eventually I started like coming back to where there was balance, but it was new because I knew that just because you drink alcohol doesn't mean you're not productive or you're lazy or Mm -hmm. you're drunk or you live to go to bars on the weekends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just because you're spiritual doesn't mean you're sober. Right. And so all of these dualities in my, inside myself that I'd Mm -hmm. built up started to break down. And then you know, as I got older, um, like, like, like 28, 29, I started like dating differently too. So like, as I started to become more myself and I like, when I started getting tattooed, that was really when things started to get serious. Yeah. Cause I remember when you first got, you just started getting, I mean, you're not like way tatted, but like, if you just show like the camera, like, yeah, so I've got, I've got, <laughs> I've got like stuff. Yeah. You've got like a little one. So and um yeah so why so like almost like what did what did the tattoo signify was it like releasing something or like accepting you or so it was like um it all started with my do you remember matt hermansky did you ever meet matt i don't know anyway so my homie matt um wanted me to help design a tattoo for him and so we're we're watching we're watching NBA just like 
smoking weed at his house. <laughs> and um, he's like, yo, dude, draw me a tattoo. And I was like, well, what do you want? Because you know me. I'm like, okay, let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's dream this up. And so we start talking about archetypally what he wants to do. And so I start looking up things for, for like inspiration. And I came across these Native American um, like shorthand symbols. So they're, they're like, you have the, you have the stuff that's on like the cliffs in Southern Utah. And then you have stuff that's like on teepees, right? This is the stuff that was like shorthand communication that was Mm -hmm. universal amongst most tribes in the United States. Okay. And these little symbols just spoke to me. It was like, I saw this eagle feather right here. And, um, and, uh, and, and it means power and it it represents faith. But Mm. when you look at the eagle's relationship to the earth, it's really interesting because the eagle flies above clouds and above weather. And so to the natives, the eagle is the closest thing to God. Hmm. And so for a chief to put an eagle feather on his head was to be like the closest to God. And so like knowing the tradition and knowing the imagery, these symbols, it was the first time I ever like wanted to tattoo something on my body. And so it just like... That's cool. And your, was it, is it your grandpa? So my... So my grandma, or your um, grandma, yeah, on both sides were ch- ch- my dad's parents and my mom's parents are, are Cherokee. My grandpa's full, my mom's dad was full Danish, but he mm-hmm. was cowboy. And like <laughs> he, um, they were really big into collecting, um, native American artifacts. And so like they donated a ton to like daughters of the pioneers in Salt Lake city and like these other museums. And so they, he was like a lifelong collector and like they had a ranch and like, so on the weekends it was, it was Wranglers boots and jeans and John Wayne. Yeah. But then during the week it was a suit and being a businessman. And that was, that was who my grandpa was. And so like a lot of my swag and like the things that I like. Yeah. Let's go before we go back to dating differently. I remember you also like went out and reconnected to the land. And I yeah. think this is what you're talking about. So describe like what you did to like you were doing. Was that what you're talking about? Like on the weekends? Yeah. Or like, I know you did. Was it on a farm or on some sacred land? What were you doing? Well, so a lot of things. <laughs> um, so around the same time that I, cause I, I have to say this. I, when I saw the revenant, and there was the sweat lodge scene. I was there with my brother and I will never forget it. But there was a sense of pride that I had because I knew that that was my lineage. And then I saw these images and then I, and I'm not kidding, dude, like I'd be driving my car to go somewhere and then I'd be swept away in these visions. And I would see myself, like I would see like, indigenous people and other people like throughout history that were a little bit more like carnal or badass in nature, but definitely served a purpose. Mm -hmm. And there was this feeling like, like I had been like passive and I hadn't been like stepping into my power and there's a rawness and like a visceralness to my nature that I needed to explore. And these tattoos were like a personification of my beliefs 
and a physical representation of these these changes hmm. that it was making. And along with that came a resurgence, just a need to be in nature all the time. And so I started um, going hiking like two, three times a week with my dogs, like all over Salt Lake City. And we'd go out and we'd be out there for like two or three hours at a time. And I would just come home and I'd always have stories. Like, I'd, would you listen to music? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes no music. I I'd take pictures and like crazy things would happen in the photographs. Like, like there would be like orbs. Like, and I know what do orbs signify again? So orbs are like sp- spirits mm-hmm. or like a lot of people say they're like angels or even aliens mm. and stuff. But I knew I was not alone. And, um, in particular, I really started connecting like with, with like the divine feminine. Like I really started like seeing and deer started showing up. So, yeah. So what is the divine feminine? So, so everyone has this concept of, of God in the Western world. We, we think of like a dude with a beard (laughs) sitting on a throne. Right. And that's kind of like the Western concept of God. But like when you get in the east and you get into more the native indigenous cultures the great spirit is the earth and she's the mother which is the divine feminine yes mother nature Mm -hmm. or an aspect of it and and so like paganism and all of these other like like norse really they always saw the earth as feminine as the mother as the thing that births all of us that we grow out of that manages the life and the death and everything else. And so like there's this relationship that started to like happen between me and mother nature and then father sky, like, like God. And it was like, I was experiencing hmm. these downloads of information that I couldn't explain other than I knew that spiritual stuff was real for me. And it just started rooting me into a purpose where I started to understand my relationship to earth, animals, and people in a way that I had never really seen it before. And that mostly came from nature. Yeah. So did you, you mentioned sweat lodges from watching The Revenant. Did you go on a sweat lodge? Yeah. How was that, man? So I did, um, I did a service trip uh, two years ago at the Navajo Nation through my work at the time. And, uh, we went and did a bunch of things. We did a traditional Navajo sweat lodge. So it's um it's made of mud and wood. <laughs> and you go and the door is tiny, like and we had like six full size dudes mm-hmm. in there with sage and um a couple other herbs and cedar boiling in a pot of water w- on top of rocks that we had heated with fire and like use sticks to carry them in Uh and then once it starts getting hot like you put blankets like eight or ten blankets over the door and then you get like six dudes piled in there and you're sitting in here like this and it's pitch black and you have no idea so you're just you're huddled in and you're just close to everyone and it's and and it's like hot and it's super psychedelic well yeah, because you didn't take anything, right? No. Like, it's just you, but it's just the heat. 
Well, and and but your the sensory deprivation, because all there is is the other people's voice, and the smell, and the heat, and so like, you, you can feel everything, but you can't see any of it, and, like, if you've ever done like mirror work where you're like staring in a mirror mm-hmm. for like, and you look in your eyes, eventually you'll start to hallucinate, totally sober, because the walls the like the veil starts to break down like the walls of reality start to break down when you deprive the senses and that's when things start to get really trippy yeah i've my first time in a sensory deprivation tank was extremely stressful for the first 30 minutes but then the last half of it was just like crazy it's it's just hard to explain because you yeah i didn't feel anything like it was just thought like i was just there yeah, it's wild. Like, my body didn't exist. It was very interesting. All right, dude. So we're going to snap back all the way to dating. So you, mm. said, you said you started dating differently. What does that mean? So I did a couple experiments. I like how you view them as experiments. Yeah. Because a lot of people think, and my lesson that I've taken from your experience so far is, like, be okay with experimenting. Yeah. You know, even if it is not for you in the moment, hopefully, you know, you'll get to that point. That's part of the process of learning. Yeah. Even if you're doing that for other people, it's still going to do it for you. Yeah. You know, so I like how you view it as just like experimenting. Like how else are you going to figure out what you like and don't like? Exactly. And and like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results yeah. is crazy. And my dad would always say that like... And, and that's one of the things that still resonates to this day. It's like, you can't do the same thing again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I expect it to work. And so like, I, I was, I dated a ton of people that weren't available to me in one way or another because it was convenient because I had been hurt and I was protecting myself by dating people. So ultimately I had the back door open all the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do know. And I had, you know, and, and there was this illusion of options because we had, you know, we had all these apps going, you had Tinder, you had Facebook, you had Instagram and like, and Salt Lake was a scene, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and like, you know, you could always meet someone through somebody. And so there was this idea that you could just shuffle hmm. through, through people and dating became like this, like job interview like I, you you start asking these unconscious questions like assessing someone's worth hmm. as if you're someone who can like judge that <laughs> and 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 then i was like okay wait a minute i'm like first of all i'm not like a fully actualized person this is me at the time thinking this i'm mm-hmm. like who am i who am i where i'm at currently in my life to be the judge of someone else's like worth. So, and who am I like, and I'm sitting here and I'm like assessing their, like who they are as a person with all these questions about like what they do for work or like, I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to see if I can have a good time with people. Mm -hmm. And so I started asking questions like, what's your favorite color? I started asking questions like if you were a cereal, what would you be? (laughs) Yeah. And I started asking questions like, um, like, like put yourself in a situation because you, you can't lie 
when you're picking something to represent yourself. Because Ooh. even if you're saying, I'm a Lamborghini, you're adorning yourself with power and speed and rich energy. I like that, dude. Real quick, what cereal would you be? Oh, man. <laughs> right now? <laughs> right now. Crackin' oat brand, dude. <laughs> just some good hearty shit. Just oh, yeah. Just to, like, tasty and versatile. Because you could eat it dry, and it's so good. It's so good in... Um, I, I still, like, don't do dairy milk. I'm, like, not as strict of a vegan as I have been in the past. But... Dude, I'd probably be cinnamon life, man. I love that stuff so Life's much. Life's so good. <laughs> but anyway... Life is so good. But anyway, what, or what other experiments did you try? And then, so that evolved into this thing that I called undating. Undating. Yeah. Huh. And undating was essentially that, like, if you, if you take out um, all of the, how do I put it? Like, because there's all this, like, you know, ask them out again and all these strategies and these other things. And so basically my plan was is to just, like, completely just go with the flow and to like just try and be my authentic self and actually not put my best foot forward in the sense that I was like trying to be anything more than I am normally. Hmm. So it's just kind of showing up as I am. And that, that had a lot of merits because like you were finding out real fast if people were just kind of on your level or like on your frequency or whatever. And so it was cool because I wasn't like, taking people out to restaurants I wouldn't normally go to because hmm. I wasn't trying to impress anybody at that point. Yeah. I think this takes, so this is, you know, I'm still learning this. Can you talk about what you've learned about what's we'll stick with dating right now, but this can go to any relationship about if someone's not on your frequency Yeah, to not, cause sometimes for me, I keep, I want, I want to wait and see, I want to wait and see, or I just want to be nice, you know, like, but we all know, mm -hmm. you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. If someone is vibing with you or not, you know? Yeah. So like, what's your experience been with that? Like, it really isn't worth your time or their time in my opinion. Right. And even if you're the person who gets denied or rejected, to me, that's better. Like you don't want to be with someone mm -hmm. who, again, it's just another sign that they're not on your level or you're not on that wavelength. What's yeah. your experience with that? So there's a couple facets to it. If you're dating people that you know aren't a match for you, like one way or another, you just have a sense of it's not going anywhere. It's not you're doing yourself a disservice because you're investing in something that isn't coming back. It's not feeding you. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and then you're going to be like, okay, well I'm not that interested, but then when they hurt you or they do something or they withdraw their attention from you, then all of a sudden you're bugged because this person that you weren't even all in on has now taken something from you. Mm. And then, you know, you could have a person that's really not codependent and become crazy codependent in that type of a situation. That's just toxic, man. Totally. But people do it all the time because we it's do do safe. it all the time. And then you and then you go and then you have like a great really like something that like starts off awesome. Mm -hmm. It's effortless. It's easy. 
And then all of a sudden you start spending all this time with this person. You lose yourself yep. in that person. They lose themselves. And so everything you were doing that made Ben Harris the man, you start compromising. You start slipping. Hmm. Because you're not going to the gym as much because you want to go straight home to baby's house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you're not getting up early and meditating or you're not because you're sleeping yeah. over. Or you're doing, you know what I mean? And and you think it's cute at first to like come together. <laughs> but what happens is, hmm. is you start losing yourself in that person, but not in the way that... But not in the positive way. That's interesting. I like that you brought that around. I didn't think about that because... We often think about, oh, I want to lose myself in someone. Yeah. But not like, but we really don't. Like, it might be like cute and fun and like the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. But I think that's even, it shows a sign of maturity and even more dopeness to like, like if I had a girl like sleep over or something and then she got up to meditate, I would probably like hurry and kneel down with her and ask her to marry me like yeah I would just, ex exactly like, like that's just cool like to work on yourself but i like that you brought that around that's good because you're giving yourself permission mm -hmm. and them permission to self-care like if like i like with with katie like if i like need physical exertion later days she's like go work out even though we're busy and like we're trying to work and get things done, mm -hmm. go work out, go do some pull-ups like you need this. And, and so we both are aware of like each other's needs and we can both like help each other and like do that. And so when you've, when you've swung too far into somebody and you start compromising, what makes you feel like you, mm. your frequency drops. And so now that person, cause like attracts like, so now that person that you are matching with, you've now descended lower because you lost yourself inside that person, right? Dang, bro. Hold on. This is awesome. We got to, cause you're doing this well energetically. I'm going to try and translate it for all the Joe Schmoes like me. Um, you're just saying I, I'm totally, I, I've done this. Yeah. That we're we obsessed. We're obsessed. We lose ourselves in this person so we give it all to them and we spend all our time with them. We sacrifice our things for them. But really what that does, it starts to take away what that person really likes about us. Yeah. Interesting. Because the guy that they fell in love with is not the dude that they're with six months in. Bro, yeah, this is a good reminder. Yeah. And, and, so, like, and so like if you're dimming yourself down, to be with somebody that's a sign that mm -hmm. you've fallen out of like a, a a vibrational like a frequency match and so on the other end let's say you um get with someone and you start bossing up like you start doing all the things that make mm -hmm. you feel awesome and that person shrinks and they feel bad and because you're doing well they feel guilty and so they start pushing you away or they start doing some type of self-sabotage, right? Mm -hmm. And so now you're in a situation where you're feeling really great, but you're feeling them pull away. And most of the time people don't communicate these things. No, man, we don't. <laughs> and then you now have this problem where there's a disconnect, but you're doing awesome. And then you're looking at the situation like what's wrong?
Mm-hmm. And male consciousness is such that we we tend to like want to fix things. Oh, dude, I'm such a fixer. And you and Mister Fix It, and guess what happens? You now just dim down and went codependent because you're operating from fear of loss. Mm. Because you're afraid of this disconnect. But what you're actually being shown is that on your best day, that person doesn't match you. And then we and then we get tricked into lowering ourselves to keep something that we've evolved past. Dang, dude. Dude, John, you've you've leveled up, my man. I mean we we've had some we've had some combos, but this is this is good. And we even talked before this. Yeah. Um and I, I must say, John helped me through my own like relationship stuff. And it was nice to have someone ask me questions. Like mm-hmm. some good reflective questions. Yeah. I was like, oh man, this was good for me. Yeah. But hold on, we gotta go back to that. Of on our best day our partner or whoever um, feels disconnected or for whatever reason, because we're leveling up and we feel some disconnect. So then we again, lower ourselves because we don't want to lose that connection. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Communicate or what? Yeah. I would say like if the love is founded, and it's real and it's unconditional. Mm-hmm. They will both will rise. Like, mm. like Optimus Prime and Megatron are a perfect example of <laughs> of codependency. Batman and the Joker. Optimus and Megatron are always duking it out. One shall rise, one shall fall. Right, you know, and and Megatron never kills Optimus. Optimus never kills Megatron, and so they're locked in this battle forever it's it's like and we do this with ourselves internally like if you're arm wrestling yourself you have both hands tied up both mm-hmm. hands tied up in fighting yourself but what happens if you stop you have two hands that can now do whatever mm-hmm. you want them to do hmm. and so <laughs> it's it's crazy so like when you're in a situation of cognitive dissonance and you're like what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And you're this, that, and then you, you pull out and you meditate or you pull out and you go hiking. You, you do something creative or restorative mm-hmm. and you come back with fresh eyes. The arm wrestle stops and you're looking at the situation. And if you're in tune, you can say, this is what I should do. It's true, man. And it's funny because no matter how many times I'm like stuck editing a video or trying to write something and it's just not working. I just, this happens constantly. And then I just try and will it and will it and keep going and pushing through it. And then eventually when I take a walk or eat or watch a podcast or go on a run, then I come back with fresh eyes. Yeah. That's just so funny, dude. All right, dude, we got to come because we got to make sure we come back to your relationship, how you got here, your van life. Yeah. But like, so start with, um, because I think a lot of people can relate to this. So the relationship that you thought you were in, let's start here mm-hmm. or that you were in that you thought was it. Mm-hmm. So you met this person that you had an amazing soul connection with. Oh yeah. This is a couple of years ago. Yeah. So this is, this is, 
it's pretty nuts how how it all worked out and 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 this is how we know we're like really co-creating reality like we're giving ourselves the best experience right like you like it's like our higher self is is like making this happen as we watch it and it's amazing so like the dodgers are losing game seven and i have the worst hangover in the world series in the world series Mm -hmm. and i have the worst hangover in the world (laughs) i drank um half a bottle of 50 proof whiskey with a friend on halloween and i went to work and i felt like i was made of glass and i came home and the only thing that was keeping me alive was this baseball game but my dodgers were losing and so i was like and i had like not been like looking for somebody because i was just totally like living into this idea that like what's good for me is going to show up Mm -hmm. because i'm good you know and that's how these Hmm. these these like mental diet people call it or your primary thought um you could go james barry neverland you could say like your happy thought Mm -hmm. but like as a man thinketh, so is he so like i was at that time thinking okay i'm a good person i deserve this it's gonna show up for me and so like I'm um, just kind of doing my thing on my phone and like I I start getting like women just sliding in my DMs, like these really attractive (laughs) women. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on here? Uh And um, later that night there was this feeling like I had this vision of like me coming out of the tunnel, like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel that was the rest of my life like this whole dark night of the soul experience that I've been having where I was like really trying to like rediscover myself was coming to a close. And there was like this sense that there'd be like this new female energy that would be there to accompany me. And so like two days later, I like posted a wolf on Instagram and I was talking about how my, like, people have often compared my eyes to, like, dog eyes or, like, wolf eyes. They're, they're like, a similar color and, like, I have mm. canine energy. And um, <laughs> there was a poem that I wrote about it or some caption. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I come, I go to a gallery with a friend and I get a Tinder match and I haven't been on Tinder in, like, ages. And this girl's a dime. So I, st- I start talking to her. Uh-huh. What? I was going to say, so you had the app, but you haven't been swiping, but you got a notification. Just, yeah. So that means that you swiped a long time ago and then she got back on or something and swiped back. Or a miracle. Who knows? Technology. <laughs> just <dude>. technology. <laughs> it does. It does what we need it to or not, but it did this time. And so we started talking and immediately that night it was like, okay, we're going out the next day. Mm-hmm. And, um, we went out and like, immediately i was like who is this person like she like touched the menu and was like i'm gonna order for you and like took my menu from me and like was like ordering for me i was like who is this person and it just like that night there was a moment where i just wanted to hold her hand and i hadn't felt that way Hmm. in ages dude it was like junior high crush but like you know what you're doing isn't that interesting dude i love no like I totally know when like that feeling when holding a hand like means more than like sex, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just like that sign of like true affection. Yeah. But keep going. That's cool. Yeah. And so, and then there, then later in the day, cause we had gone to dinner and then we went to like, she had friends that were having like a birthday party and a bonfire. Mm-hmm. And so we're at the bonfire and I'm holding her hand and we go inside 
And then there was a, we were like looking at each other and I was like, Oh my God, first chance I got, I'm kissing this girl. Like I'm uh, so in this. And, and we had this conversation and there was an openness and I started telling her things that I had never told. And this is still the first date, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so like, and she told me that she was painting a wolf the day that I posted. She like saw me on Tinder and like saw the wolf and like, it was a synchronicity. And then, mm. and so it was like, we both like called each other into being right. And so here I am two weeks later, it's Thanksgiving. And I had driven her to her brother's house so she could go the rest of the way to St. George. So I'd already met, like met some of her family mm-hmm. and like, I saw the tunnel, the end of the tunnel and I hit this female energy and there she was. So it was, it, it's like God gift wrapped the rest of my life right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of what it felt like. And then there was a point in the relationship where like I discussed, like I started compromising. I started slipping. Yeah. But to pause for a second. So you felt though at this point that you, at some point in the re- relationship that you thought like she was it. Yeah. Totally. Right. A hundred percent. I was like, this is it. And like, I was so proud of her. Like I was so happy to be with her. I loved her energy. Like it was a great experience and she was providing me with so much new stuff to consider new takes on spirituality, new books to read. Like she was a massage therapist and she was, she was teaching me about like massage and the human body. And Mm -hmm. like, like I've always been interested in, you know, physiology and all those things. And so there were so many things going on in this relationship and it was just like, it had to be it, you know? (laughs) And then, so, and then you mentioned, when did it start? When did you start? You said sacrificing or. Yeah. So like, um, like I think, about a month and a half into it, I started slipping and it was little things like, um, I started worrying about saying the right thing (laughs) and I started like, um, second guessing myself and I, and I started skipping out on like time with my dog and I just little by little, my world was crumbling and I was just being absorbed into hers. Hmm. And it got to a point where I was afraid of losing her because I felt that happening. And rather than like going back into my, my truth and my power, I just continued to try and smooth things over. This is so similar to my situation. It's crazy. It sounded like that when we were talking mm-hmm. about it earlier, like it, and, and, it, and it, like, it was crazy. Cause like I could feel it all happening and like, I wanted desperately to change it, but I didn't know how, because I was at the mercy of this thing. And I had never felt that way before. Yep. And like, this person was like the chosen one for me and I was yeah. like, projecting all this stuff and she was projecting it on me too. Mm-hmm. And so we were not even seeing each other cause we were living in each other's false projections of each other and it got to the point i took her to an awesome spot for her birthday like over christmas like because i took like a, a week and a half off from like christmas to like new year's and we went down there and we got back right for like right before like new year's eve and she sent me the we need to talk 
text and verbatim oof not even new year's eve dude new year's eve and then um i knew i was marching to my death i drove right over <laughs> i was like rip the band-aid yeah, off let's freaking do it because i thought i could save it mm-hmm. but no and then i was devastated i didn't go out new year's eve i moped around new year's day then i had another day off before i went back to work so like i was just heartbroken and for the first time in my life i really really had an ego death like i had really said okay what's really going on here Mm -hmm. and i poured myself into books dude i read so many books and like a week after she started texting me she's like i want to i want to be able to talk to you and i was like no but i wasn't a dick and then we kept talking (laughs) and we like were off and on back and forth for a long time and she was actually mad at me that all of a sudden i was reading all these books and changing Hmm. because it was like making it hard for her to stick by her decision to like end it but i was trying to get her back Uh. you know I was on comeback mode. <laughs> I had decided there was not a reality that I wanted to exist in where this person wasn't a part of it. Yeah, I I totally get that. And I know so many other people do. And that phase lasted how long? Like another year, right? Just every, you'd reconnect randomly. And then you assigned meaning because you didn't plan it. You just ran into her, right? And you're like, "There's this just has to be, mm-hmm. this has to be the meant to be. The universe is pushing us together is what it felt like and the the annoying thing about it is here i spent all this time in nature identifying with the feminine and here's someone who really channels that energy and now i can't go out in the woods without thinking about her Mm -hmm. so my sanctuary was tainted and and like and i've never had like a soul connection like that before where like dreams and like energy and like literally we we were tangled up inside each other Mm mm-hmm and it was cool. I, I hope everyone gets to experience something like that. Yeah. Because you start to really see like how amazing this, this life really is. And yeah, dude. I mean, I, again, totally, totally relate. Like I experienced that for my first time and then you, and then like, what was the turning point? Because so you were living in Salt Lake and then eventually you made the decision that you wanted to move to LA and live in a van. Yeah. I know that's a turning point, but so kind of take us through were, that transition. So, so the, so the last part of the metamorphosis, this was like the home stretch, mm-hmm. um, to get to where I'm at. Cause like, I'm, I'm obvious, I will continue to keep evolving, but like what got me here was I was working in this job and I was working in medical staffing in Western medicine and I hate Western medicine. I don't, I think surgery and life-saving specialties like emergency medicine and other things like that are absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. But the bulk of preventative medicine in the United States and cancer and all of these other things, like I know are treatable with natural remedies and could be prevented with food and proper lifestyle. And so here I was living this, being surrounded by people who 
vibrationally don't match me. Like they're drinking so delicious, which is like suicide <laughs> sodas and drink and eating donuts and tempting yeah. me out trying to say, John, this has cheese on it. Eat it anyway. And it's like, cause you're vegan. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like, not so much anymore. Like I'm more looking into, um, Katie turned me on to like, um, I always say it wrong. Ayurveda. So it's like, are you familiar? Not like super familiar, but it's but. more like, it's more like eating what your body needs. Cause like as much as I believe that in like veganism is a change towards like responsible consumption, it wasn't like, it's, it's not going to save the world. And so like, I didn't want to, like, I wanted to try something new to see if it like is going to work. But anyway, mm-hmm. at the time I was strict. And so here I am surrounded by all these people who judge me that I have like the Bhagavad Gita at my desk and I'm reading Maharishi and I'm reading all these other people and they don't get it. And like, I'm busting my ass to make this money, but I'm not happy every single day. I'm like not happy. And I started making less and less because just the environment was like spitting me out. Like I just could not stay. And so I started, and this is where we get in manifestation. This is where like mm-hmm. it starts to get really crazy is, um, I knew a couple things. I knew I wanted a partner and I thought I knew who it was at the time. And I knew I wanted to leave the corporate world and never work a job like that again. Like I don't want to just work to make money. Like I want my life to be my life's work, mm-hmm. you know? And so I started daydreaming while I was at work. I was calling hospitals, marketing, doing my thing, but I was like thinking about the beach, was, uh, putting myself there. I was thinking about having a camper van. I was thinking about being there with my dog. I was thinking about adventures. I was thinking about how good it would feel to not have to wake up and force myself to drive to this place and do all these things that I don't like anymore. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's a plan. And like next thing you know, I buy an astral van in December and, um, get everything moved out my apartment in January, like, consolidate like half my stuff in a storage unit, half my stuff in my folks that I hadn't gotten rid of. And I sold a bunch of stuff and it was so cool to like get rid of things and just realize like how little I actually need. But how did you finally get to that breaking point of, because a lot of people don't have those guts, bro. Like, like whether it's me moving across the country or me quitting my job, a lot of people wouldn't quit their job and live in a van. Well, it was just like, it was like I wanted to kill the old me. Mm. Like I was like, I can't do this anymore. This has to end and I need to go on like a soul quest or like some type of a journey or something different. So I'd always wanted to live like, like cowboy stuff has always intrigued me. Like, like having this idea of being like, a roamer and like just kind of going and sleeping under the stars and like having a grand adventure, like Tom Sawyer kind of stuff, like always mm-hmm. resonated with me and living in a van was the perfect thing because it was like, it was cheap. One, I could work 
like a retail job or wait tables or just do something that doesn't take away from my energy and I could go and do what I wanted to do and spend more time writing and spending more time researching consciousness and spend more time just living man exactly and so I told everyone what I was doing and everyone my mom was like you're nuts everyone told me I was nuts did anyone say you're not gonna do it yeah yeah I can totally see that a lot of people like and um there's tons of guilt right up until like when I was like quitting my job because the people that knew I was quitting because I kept it really hush hush and I sent a resignation before I had like my exit meeting with my um my director because Mm -hmm. I didn't want him to spin my resigning into something that it wasn't because like that was kind of the culture there Mm. so I sent and I was like I sent an email to the whole company that said love yourself live your purpose follow your dreams to the whole company yeah dude Wait, as you're quitting? Did you say that you're quitting? Or yeah, I, I told him I resigned to move to email, LA. And the email in to everybody? Van. Yes. Wait, I didn't know this. Hold on. So you sent an email to the entire company? Yes, everyone that like knew me in the company. Okay, so not the entire like email like, list. Like C-suite. Yes, like everyone because I like I'd been there for five years. Yeah. And so like I knew everybody, and so I sent this email uh. and totally undercut because I didn't want them to do what they'd done with other people and make it about performance or i left in a great position oh you're you okay so you took the power in your own hands and said this is why i'm leaving and because i knew my director was going to try and talk me into staying Mm, yep and he's like john i thought we were going to talk about this i'm like shay no i'm not i'm not doing that and so like everyone came up and like hugged me and was like dude you're crazy and it's like i want to quit too and it's like and like all of a sudden all these people start like you know, and then, and they would reach out and like my director, I'm in Venice and I'm like at the beach and he sends me a text message. He's like, where are you at right now? And I sent him a picture and he's like, you did it. You, you actually did it. did it. I love it. Yeah. And, and there was that moment where it was like, here I am sitting on the beach with my dog living in a van. And I realized I built that six months ago yep. in my imagination. Yes. And, and everything became surreal after that, that like every night I would get into the van to go to sleep and be like, this is my life. Like I had my little headlamp yeah. to like see, to turn on. Cause like I, um, didn't install a second battery because I just didn't have room in the Astro van. And like, I really just bare bones it. And it was just so fun to, wake up in a different place and have to be intentional about like where you're going to the bathroom, where you're going to brush your teeth in the morning. And so every day forced you to wake up and have forced me to have a gratitude moment. Cause yeah, every choice isn't automated. Yeah. I don't, I didn't get to wake up like a zombie and walk to the bathroom like I used to do every other day of my life. Mm. I had to wake up, remember where I was and then like check for street cleaning to make sure that like I'm not going to get a ticket or towed because I'm parked on a street because like some they have yeah. street sweepers in California. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you check for that and then I've got a dog to walk and all these things. And so it, it forced me to be like deliberate with everything all the time. And then there's all the homeless people and like 
so you're projecting quiet confidence all the time. Like no one's going to fuck with me because I'm no, like I'm the man. Hmm. And so, but then at the same time I became friends with these people and I realized like how human, you know, these people are and all they really want is to be recognized for their humanity. And so like this one dude was, uh, he asked me for money and then like, um, it came up that I live in a van and he said, dude, I'm sorry for asking for money. And like handed me like three bananas. He handed you bananas. Yeah. He was panhandling and he like gave me, cause he, he's like, you live in a van. You're like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was cool because it started to break down like what I thought happiness looked like, what I thought success looked like, what I thought all these things. And I realized it's like, we're all just giving ourselves the experience that we need to grow. Yeah. Well, dude, like so many people like, so how long did you live in a van for? How many months? March through August. So yeah, five months. That's not incredibly long four or five months, but like, dude, four or five months is nothing in, in our lifetime, but you learn so much and you'll always remember that at such a pivotal moment for you. Yeah. And like, if you didn't like it, if it wasn't what you thought or expected, you could go back. Totally. Like, I'm glad you didn't. And like, it's definitely set you on this awesome path you're going on. Right. But I think for people who just want to try something like that, going back to the experimenting, mm-hmm. try it. Like really. Like, yeah. You have nothing to lose. Yeah, like it's harder, right? If you have like a family, like if and like kids or a mortgage or whatever. But if you don't have those responsibilities, just give it a try. Especially like if you're young and listening, why not? Like just do it. Totally. Well, I used to like, I wanted so bad to like be like a river guide on like the Snake River in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in high school, I always thought when I graduate, that'd be a cool job. But like, I chose to like hang out with my friends and do the same thing I do every summer. Like when I graduated high school and I totally could have gone to a new place, totally could have like been a river guide, could have experienced wilderness and totally had a growing experience. But because I was afraid of doing it, I never ended up doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I still remember not doing it, but like, I will never forget the bonkers adventure of living in a van in Venice Beach. <laughs> I love it, dude. Okay, segueing to the next portion, manifesting your current partner, Katie. You're, so, yeah, like, and I know you're going on this whole creative thing. Like, you've always been a creative person, but, like, you're working on a manifesting course right now. Um, but how, how, why, because... Yeah. Well, let's just start there. How did you manifest each other? So simply put, (laughs) it started when I started to fall in love with nature and the feminine. And I, and I was, I was like building this idea of what this person felt like. And I had dreams. I don't think I ever told you this, but I, Mm. for forever, I had dreams of this woman without a face. And, mm. and it was, and like, she had kind of like brown, like 
brownish blonde hair, kind of like kind of a little wavy, like beachy kind of a vibe. And mm-hmm. they were always like they were always like two, three little boys. They were hmm. my kids. Huh. But I never saw any of their faces. And they had skin like mine and kind of like hair like mine. And she was like similar to me, but a little different, like like tall lean athletic kind of like a more of like a yoga or like someone who does a little you know it was just kind of like this archetype that had that i'd been seeing since i was like 19 Mm. and so it started there and then going into nature and like experiencing the feminine and realizing that like i really value this and i want a person that had that and then over the course of all these relationships, I started to realize I'm like, okay, I can have depth. I can have spirituality. I can have fun. I can have all these things. And, you know, the one that I was holding on to that I thought was the one who I now call the primer. Yes. Which I love like, yeah. Will you quickly explain when we'll go back how you wouldn't have been ready for this amazing relationship now if you wouldn't have gone through that pain before. Like she primed you for it. And I yeah. love this concept. Cause like, you know, when you're making pancakes, <laughs> you burn the first one. Usually it doesn't turn out as I'm, well. Uh, my f- very first pancake, I'm a freaking pancake. Okay. King now, but yeah, <laughs> I like sometimes when I'm like even heating up tortillas, like I might overcook the first one. Mm-hmm. You're just, just testing out the heat, dude. Exactly. And so that's kind of what that primer is, is like, it's your first real big love, mm-hmm. but there's no way, like you have to be just amazing to just without any practice or knowing how to hold it. Right. And so you get to go through what it feels like to have something awesome, but not keep it. And then you learn yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. and you're forced to evaluate yourself and you're forced to grow in a way. Cause when your heart breaks, it actually gets stronger. Like it, the cracks and the more light gets in and it, and it grows and it gets bigger. And so with Kate, it was like, I knew all these things that I wanted. And you know, this other person, like I hadn't met Kate, she wasn't even on my radar yet. And, and I still kind of felt this like energetic connection but I didn't want it. I was running from it. I was trying to let it go. Every full moon, I do moon ceremonies mm. and um, like new moon and full moon. And I would, I was doing moon dedications to like be free and let go. And then it would like reassert itself. And I was like, why, why I don't want this anymore. Like, like you're talking about a partner, the, this, the, the primer. I don't okay. want this anymore because like, if she wanted it, she knows where to find me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I was done wanting someone that didn't fully want me. Yep. And so the, I swear, dude, like, so I have all these ingredients piled up and then I realize, okay, I need somebody that I can be myself with like fully. And like, even the ugly parts, like even the parts that suck that are part of me that I'm growing out of or like, the new ones that I'm not going to affirm that there are new sucky parts that are going to emerge, but I'm, I, I, I just did anyway. Um, <laughs> she's going to listen back to this. To yeah. She's going to be like, <laughs> you need to get better about that. Well, but just like, to give her a quick background, she, what does she do for work? So she is not even just for work, but her purpose and her life. It's really cool. I, she, I mean, I just met her today, but I can she, tell she's great at it. She's a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she specializes in tantric yoga and meditation um so she knows and just big into energy big in energy she knows a little bit about like everything mm-hmm. on the esoteric or new age or mystery schools whatever like your you know your jargon is for it mm-hmm. like if if there's like ancient kind of like integrative spiritual healing she's she's tuned into it on some level and she's the most perceptive amazing person and she when she's with a client or she's with me there's no her it's just she's a perfect mirror Hmm. and like it's crazy because like i'll be talking to her and she's just showing me like how dumb i am sometimes (laughs) and it's just like Okay, she's like, this is over as soon as you wake up. And and then I do, and then I realize, like, wow. But, like, you still love each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it only gets better because, like, you have each other's best interest in mind. There's a vested interest in staying with it. And even though it's not always easy, it's always rewarding. Yeah, when you talk about, um, because I was talking to you too earlier about, you both have seen what we were saying about seeing each other's shadows. Oh yeah. And like the other faces, but of how like you've never been able to do that before. Like the benefit. So the benefit of communicating, but this isn't even communicating. We won't get into like the details of it, but really seeing and acknowledging all sides of your partner. And even loving that Mm -hmm. and how she described it is like she literally seared it away, like burned it away, but she had to see those sides and like love those sides of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like, what does that mean to you? Like, why is that important for other people for them to love the not so great parts in quotations and for to open themselves because I think that was big on your your part. Yeah. Is that you had to let her see that. Yeah. So there's there's a couple nuances to this. First is um love in its purest form doesn't have judgment. Things just are what they are. They just it is what it is. Yes. And so when you find someone that has the ability to see you in that way, it's all the same. A good day, a bad day, it's another day with with Katie. Mm-hmm. They're all good days because it always comes back to center. And so with that level level of vulnerability comes full expression and you in in because neither of us are operating from a from a place of loss. So because neither of us are we, we know we love each other, we're operating from like okay, I'm going to do my best all the time. And so sometimes like you might do something that's not the best thing, trying to do the best thing. And that's where the shadow comes out. Like this sneaky, like pervasive self-preservation behavior starts going and you think you're doing it in the name of your partner or you think you're doing it for them, but you're actually doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know, that happens to me and she'll just look at me like, you know, this is happening, right? And then I'll sometimes be mad or confused or frustrated. (laughs) And then, then I come out of it and I'm like, Oh my God, 
you know, or she'll have moments where she's scared or insecure or isn't, doesn't feel safe with something or, you know, and her needs aren't met. And then she'll act a certain way. And then, you know, the medicine for her is different. I just, you know, grab her and comfort her and Mm -hmm. energetically like support her. And then she starts to warm up and then we come back to normal. And so Mm -hmm. there's, there's this feeling of like coming back to center. And so when you show yourself fully to your partner, light shadow and all there's this amazing thing that happens because you don't need there's no need to be right anymore yeah there's no need to hide anymore and if there's something that's going to burn away you probably don't need it like the saying um your new life will cost you your old one really works for me here because like every minute is new right and with her if i'm looking at the kate from five minutes ago i'm missing the best thing in the world Hmm. because that's the past and if you just look and actually see what's there what's in front of you then you then you get to to do that and so in every moment like joseph campbell says like you can die into your old self and be new, be reborn and like rise. And so like, I think that's what a dynamic, a healthy dynamic is between two people coming together where you're willing to grow all the time and be present with each other all the time and be nimble enough to let go of what happened five minutes ago in lieu of something better right now yeah that's cool dude and why do you think we can have it all why should we not because there's a big thing of like well you gotta give and take Mm. you know for a partner why can we have it all so first and foremost um my belief is that um we're spiritual beings we're children of God. We're co-creators of this reality. And anything that we have in this life is something we've matched vibrationally. We've been able to like divine it into existence. We've created the means in order for us to have it, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you are part of God or God or a soul, you're this infinite thing, why would you not be able to have something that is infinite as well Hmm. that's that matches you and i think all of these things we say oh you got to compromise you got to do this you do have to compromise and you do have to be willing to work together but you do get to have somebody that excites you and and like multiplies your ability like that that stretches you every day you do get to call all of those things in but that starts when you decide you can, that you're worth it, that you are that person. I love that, dude. It's crazy. It really does start with self-love and self-worth, dude. Like being open and willing and like feeling like you're worthy to accept it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's where it starts, but it really does. Okay. As we start to wrap up, but we still haven't told, how did you guys meet? 
we stop and oh, so, we so digressed. This is, this is like, um, this is like where the manifestation stuff gets cool. And mm-hmm. it's actually perfect. Cause like I wanted to tell this part of the story. So right around the time that I had decided enough was enough. I want someone to choose me. And mm-hmm. um, we had connected on Instagram and, um, it was like one of those things where like, you know, she's, she's a verified person and, you know, we tag hashtag similar things. So I assumed that like she just liked posts to get traction or whatever, but I looked at her page <laughs> and I was like, Oh, she's cute. And then I saw her tattoo on, on her arm. I was like, that is a cool tattoo. What is it? It's a snake and it has a bee and a blue whale and lots of other little spirit, like an arrow mm. through it and lots of other like little spiritual things. But it was just super interesting to me. And I was like, I want to ask her about that. Like I will someday, like we'll, we'll end up talking. And I just knew that I had this intention. Right. And like a week or two went by and uh so you hadn't talked at this point you just saw and made that mental note yeah and like just followed her said you know we'll you know we'll see and i'd met people that way before Mm -hmm. so like i knew it was totally possible and so i was coming from a place where like i was very sure and uh she did a a live video on instagram of a meditation and you know when you're scrolling I don't know if I'm feeling this. And I almost didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. But something was like, you need to watch this. And the last two years, I've really been flexing my intuition. Just trust that gut. Trust your impressions. Mm-hmm. Trust your inspiration. Don't hesitate. And so living my, you know, golden rule, I, all right, I'm trusting. So I watched it. And she took me places, man, like, the meditation was real and she was talking about wholeness and she's talking about recalling all of your energy that's been spread out and claiming it as yours and feeling as if you're whole and complete and eternal and one with everything. And you know, that's a paraphrase. She said it way better, (laughs) sexier. Um, (laughs) And I was like, wow, I felt something. And so I sent her a message and I was like, that was amazing. Like I felt something like it resonated and I knew she'd get back to me. And like a day later she messaged me and I messaged her back and then a day later. And then like three days later, we're having this crazy conversation on it. And then finally she's like, here's my number. And the entire time, like I was influencing that situation because I just knew the outcome. Hmm. And like she'll tell it that way too. She's like, like I like you pulled me in, like you, you did this Hmm. and it got to the point where it's like, okay, we got to go out. So we went out the next day after we decided to go out and, um, went to a restaurant in Venice. that's delicious and kind of a cool vibe. And like, I didn't know right away like what it was, but I was like, this girl's cool. Mm-hmm. And then as the night went on, like, I was like, okay, I, I'm starting to feel this. And so we walked back to the van, my house. <laughs> and um, we just kind of did one of those, like, junior high hugs where you're holding holding on and you don't want to let go for yeah, a while. <laughs> and I, and like, 
and it felt really good. Like, and it was weird. Cause like, you know, there's hugs and there's like, if you ever felt plugged into somebody's energy, mm-hmm. like sacral parts, just doing a high five. Like there was just this buzz mm. and we sat there for like 10 minutes, just holding each other, maybe longer. Were you saying anything? No, not, mm. only, but I did want to kiss her and she's psychic. So she knew <laughs> that I was like debating. And then it got to a point where she's like, I need to go home. And I was like, all right. So she, she's like, um, well, take me to my car. And I was like, where's your car? And she turned around and pointed and it was this red S class Mercedes convertible, 1980 something. Mm-hmm. I was like, you drive this car. <laughs> and so I carried her and I set her down. Mm-hmm. in the driver's seat and kissed her on the forehead mm-hmm. and it was done dude. that's a classy move dude it was done at that point i was like <laughs> dude i like this girl like and uh the next day i was like okay i'm gonna test this like i'm just going to like not i'm gonna go to work i'm not gonna like text her or like fuss about it i'm not gonna like do that because i i like want to just feel you know mm couldn't stop thinking about her and i was like okay i'm gonna text her when i'm off work and uh so i did and went to the gym and she's like and it was like 10 o'clock at night and she's like um come over and so you had not texted her yet like late like so you did text her at 10 like 10 and then her response was come over yeah come over at like 11 30 (laughs) i look at i look at my dog and i'm like zero hesitation move we're doing this and so and that that's when i knew like knew knew mm-hmm. like i was like in it because like i i mean even though i live in a van like lived in a van and like i could technically like go or be anywhere I, at 11 30 at the time i was watching a lot of like gaia ufology like crazy alien stuff and like i had a routine and i was like into it and i totally threw my routine out mm-hmm. to go see her and then we've been together every day since. Literally every day? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. That's so cool, dude. Mm-hmm. Dang, dude, we have covered a ton of ground. Yes. However, we could keep going. But how would you like to round this off, dude? I know you're working on a lot of projects, but what is on your heart or mind or soul? What? What's burning in your bosom that you feel, <laughs> that you feel like you nice need to? Nice reference. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. So if you're listening, he just like, you just got some inspiration and you just like nodded. Yeah. You're listening to the intuition. So I'm excited to hear what comes out. Um, first and foremost, I, I think like my platform um, if anyone's read any of your followers have, have like read my writings or my work, um, the thing that I wish I could just like, I wish I could just give it to people. Mm-hmm. But when you know what it feels like to like experience yourself on a cellular level, like love yourself on a cellular level. And I'm not even, I'm not a master at it, but like, I get moments mm-hmm. where I fully love and appreciate myself. And if you can cultivate that for like a few minutes a day, 
it opens up an entire new world of possibility because then you begin to start trusting yourself. And when you start trusting yourself, you start to make gutsier decisions and your life starts to pick up speed like yours did when mm-hmm. you started making like ballsier and ballsier decisions. The next mm-hmm. thing you know, you're waking up and you're in a to- you're tan, you're in South Carolina. <laughs> Most importantly, I'm tan. And just like <laughs> not in Utah, like mm-hmm. doing podcasts and you're doing all of this cool stuff. And it, and it seems like it happened mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye, but really that all started when you started like, feeling good and getting motivated. Yeah. And then taking that a step further, <clears throat> you you then, once you trust in everything else, then you get to start engineering and you really get to start getting into your belief and you get to start like having a lot of fun. Yeah, like en- you said engineer. I love that. Like you get to engineer your life. You get to create your life and that is freaking fun. It's so cool. It's like, it's like, dude, I... I lived in a van in Venice, you know, it's like, (laughs) like who, like it's so random. It's so bonkers. It's crazy. It was over like that fast. It, um, you know, all the experiences, I have so many stories and it all started with just like a vision and trusting myself to do it. And it's, it's easy. It's as easy as saying, I want to do that first. Really though. And then it grows into, I could do that. I can do that. I will do that. And then I'm doing it. And so if like, if you're thinking about doing something that you've always wanted to do, oh, man. if you're thinking about doing something, think about what it would feel like to have done it. Yes. Live in that state. Ask yourself like John, what did I do to get to where I'm at? Or like, John, what, how did it feel to live in a van in Venice? You know, beforehand and say, and like, well, it was fun. It's an adventure. I saw different stuff every day. And you start to like get into the specifics. It's like, it's like if I were to ask you, like, um, coming from the mindset of a millionaire, mm-hmm. what would you do every day? What I'm doing right now. There you go. So you're living as if you're a millionaire right now. Yes. Exactly. And so how close are those millions? You know what I mean? They're coming. Dude, damn straight there. That's one of my affirmations every morning, my dude. See? I'm a multimillionaire, baby. Multimillionaire. And like, and that's the thing. So when you're living in that vision, then you're, then you can do anything. Hmm. But you have to start with self-love and then you got to start with trust and then you do that and then you get to have all this fun with your belief in your life and your choices and that's where things get really interesting so dude john thank you man this has been awesome this is the first step of or the first stop of my good old la collaboration tour i appreciate you sitting down with me man it was good you've elevated you've evolved you've grown and a lot of it is, you know, been studying by your lonesome, you yeah. know, or taking those risks, engineering your life, trusting, failing, hurting, trusting to love again. So props, man. So I'm seriously super proud of you. It's it's cool to see. It's fun, man. 
same mm-hmm. here, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I remember I, I the the good old days mm-hmm. and like thinking like you, Mason, and Sean were gonna be like doing music forever, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and like and now it's like you're here and like I'm just as hyped. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just so fun to watch people go through their journey. Like, dude, it's it really like my is. my favorite thing. <laughs> well, dude, I love you, man. Love you too, dude. Okay, adios, my man. All right, peace. Woo! All right, my dudes, my peeps, my fam, my tribe. I hope you're inspired after that conversation with John to go live your life. Go on an adventure. Go try something new. Go change. Go experiment. It's okay to change your mind to do new things. That's what life's about, man. Freaking max it out. Embrace it to the fullest. And this week's challenge, I thought it was perfect that we introduce you to an app called Real Life Change. So this week's challenge is inspired by Real Life Change. It is a life journaling app. And your challenge is to journal once a day. There's no length requirement. We just want to practice mindfulness. We want to, whether it's our thoughts, our experiences during the day, emotions you felt, actions you took, a decision you made, or what you learned during the day. Journal once a day. That is our challenge this week. And real life change, you can go go da- download the app for free so you can journal. I've been using it for a couple months, and it's your own portable life coach. So it's designed to take all of your social interactions, your moods, decisions, discoveries, and emotions that you experience each day that you journal and provide you with meaningful, actionable feedback to help coach you in your journey towards a better life. So like it really does do that. It tracks your emotions and your reactions. And if you use it enough, it can tell you what emotions are associated with each of your each of your experiences. It's really cool software. To, it's very, it looks really good. It's easy to use. Awesome insight. So I hope you join in this challenge. So practice self-awareness, respond to emotions, don't react. And let's journal the hell out of this week. I love y'all. Remember, hit me up. I want to see how you're doing this week's challenge. Follow me at Golink Group. Leave a review if you love this episode with John. Give him a compliment in the review, whatever you want. So leave a review. I appreciate you so much. And remember, if it's anyone, it's you. If it's any time, it's now. My name is Ben. Have an amazing week. Oh, yes. Before I go, I need to plug myself. Duh. Make sure you join the Golink Retreat in San Diego. It's happening in February. There's a link in the description. I would love to have you because we're diving deep. It's only a group of up to 10 people so we can do real work, make real progress, and have genuine connection in a safe space. And we have an amazing team because usually these conferences have thousands or hundreds of people there. We're only going to have up to 10 so you get personalized attention. I am beyond ecstatic. So check the link in the description to sign up. I love y'all. Peace.